Thursday is March is like the craziest thing ever. Thursday is March, yeah. We only have like two more months left of the semester. Thank isn't God. I, but I feel like it just started. I know. The <laughs> like, spring semester is always so much shorter. Yeah, because we have because after spring break, like my last class is gonna be like April twenty sixth or something like that. Wait, do you want to hear something gross? Yeah. It's not that gross. Um, I ran out of dog food. Um, the last like dog food meal he had was last night, and so this morning I was like, "Fuck, what can I feed you?" And usually I do like rice or something, but I didn't feel like making that because that takes so much time. So I was, like, Googling, like, what can you feed your dog as, like, an in-between meal? Mm-hmm. Because um, it's not necessarily good for them to not eat. Like, some people would say, like, oh, just don't feed them. But with George, that's, like, not good. So one of the things I found was, like, pasta. And there's, like, a list of things. And so I made him <laughs> pasta and peanut butter. <laughs> and it looked so gross, but he... Did he like it? He guzzled that shit. Oh, <laughs> you could hear him like slurping it. It was gross. Oh my gosh! But just like like five or six like pieces of like giant pasta and then peanut butter. Cause dogs oh. love peanut butter. Yeah, it wow. was gross, but he loved it. I mean, it, like a peanut sauce. That's what Dan said. Dan was like, "It's yeah. not much different than like when we make peanut sauce." I was like, "I guess that's true." Yeah. It yeah. I had to feed him though because he was like restless. And then Dan made a giant breakfast, so he was, like, drooling. So I knew I had to feed him, but I was like, I don't know what to do. Because his tummy's still recovering, so he ate pasta and peanut butter for breakfast. That's so great, though. That's so cute. Oh, George, I miss him. I haven't seen him in so long. He's got a cute new haircut. He's he looks like svelte is the word because it's he got like shaved you know yeah. his like weird shave do so he's like slender George instead of because he was real fluffy in a lot of those pictures yes he goes from like grumpy like old American George <laughs> to like sleek European looking yeah. George like one of those like hot femme like European guys you see yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah so he's like svelte George right now. <laughs> So, welcome to uh, well, welcome to adjunct astrologers, adjunct rock climbers, <laughs> rock climb astrologers. What if I had shown up in just like all out rock climber gear today? I would have changed it to my climbing oh. pants. <laughs> I've been like, all right, not me. Yep. Um, I am a hungover adjunct today. <laughs> not, not really. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. I didn't go too crazy last night, but. I get hungover off of, like, two drinks anyways, yeah. so... At the poetry reading. Yeah, at a poetry <laughs> reading. Goodness gracious. Uh, so today, we're talking about some stuff that's going on in the sky. Yeah. Well, for me, stuff in the past. Stuff in the past, okay. But it still happened in the sky. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm talking about something that's going to be happening very soon. <gasps> Who should go first? Um... You can go first. Okay. So talking about what happened. Oh, God. Where's my doc? Okay, here it is. Is the reason you researched this because when did this happen? Oh, wait. No. Okay. So the reason I, I'm going to talk about the transit of Venus. Uh-huh. And the reason I researched this is yesterday um, I was, like, wasting time before I got my hair cut and I was in Harvard Bookstore. Mm-hmm. And I just saw a book called The Transit of Venus and... Um, it was about the, like, 2012 transit oh. of Venus, like, cultural moment. Uh-huh. And I was like, I don't know anything about this. So 
Um, I'm always into when people write about, like, the first book about the um, great American eclipse that comes out, I'll be all for. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to talk about the transit of Venus, um, a little bit about the one in 2012, but more just, like, what it means. Okay, cool. Wait, what did you think? Wait, what did you think was the reason that I... Well, I didn't know when transit and Venus happened. Mm. Um, so I remember, like, last week, or was it this week? I don't know. I don't know time anymore. When we were like, what is going on? Oh, no. No. I think all that shit was Pisces shit. Yeah, that makes we're sense. We're deep into Pisces right now. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, a transit is the passage of a planet across the sun um, when you can see that planet mm-hmm. because it's, like, backlit. So, this is also, like, what happens when we have a solar eclipse Mm. is something passes, the moon passes in front of the sun Mm. and it blocks out the light. So the only planets that transit the sun or the only ones that pass between earth and the sun are Mercury and Venus because they're the only ones that are only planets that lie inside earth's orbit. Oh, okay. Mercury has like a really small orbit And so it circles the sun fast enough that we see that happen, like, every 13 or 14 years. Mm -hmm. It's not as rare. But Venus, on the other hand, because it's got, like, the tilt of its orbit is different than the tilt of Earth's orbit. It's super rare for it to pass directly between Mm. Earth and the sun. Um, So there are actually only two transits every about like 125 years Wow! because they happen in pairs eight years apart so the most recent ones were 2004 and 2012 but the next ones won't happen until what are the dates 2021 and 2125 will be the next transits wow so every yeah like 105 to 125 years is when Venus moves directly between Earth and the Sun in which Uh we can see it. So the reason that... Wait, what am I... Where am I? I got all all these notes, the sort of like astronomy section from NASA and Wikipedia. So when a transit of Venus occurs, a second one often follows, like I said, eight years later. This is because the orbital periods of Venus and the Earth happen, it says, in an eight-year resonance. So what that means is... In the time that it takes Earth to orbit the sun eight times, Venus completes almost exactly 13 um, orbits around the sun. So the, like, ratio is, like, 8 to 13. So that means that Venus and Earth line up, um, like, about two times Mm -hmm. within that thing. So that means, like, on on average, we see four transits of Venus within two hundred and forty three year periods, and those the the like pair that happens every eight years, Venus passes um, either it like alternates between being on the top or the bottom of the sun, like where it moves across oh, the sun because okay, it's yeah. like hits that both ends of its orbit, like the north and south, like mm-hmm. polar whatever shit of it. <laughs> the pictures are cool. <laughs> yeah, I the pictures are up. really, yeah. because it's so tiny, mm-hmm. um, and apparently like dot. 
ancient astrologers thought it was like a sunspot because it was so small. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's like just it's like point zero one percent of the sun or some shit. Like, I don't know. <laughs> My numbers are bad. Um, it's small. <laughs> it's small. Yeah. So one thing that was super interesting that I found on the NASA website is that um, the position of Venus's orbit in relation to the Earth is slowly changing. So 5,000 years ago, transits happened in, like, May and November. Mm -hmm. Like, one would happen in May of, like, a year, and then eight years later, the next one would happen in November. But now they happen more in June and December. So it's, like, slightly shifting. Yeah. And apparently, like, in, like, a couple thousand years, they'll happen in... January and July, which are like the solstices, I think, or the equinox. Ooh. One of the it'll like match up more with some other so celestial events. Yeah, it's so interesting that like they would even happen in the same months, like each time. Yeah. I mean, I guess it makes sense, but like just to think that it's that like calculated. Right, right, right. But, but obviously, they're. Planets. I mean, I guess if you think about the year to year, the yeah. difference is not noticeable, but over like thousands. But it's crazy that we even know that kind of yeah. thing. Um, so the first person to predict uh, on record a transit of Venus was Kepler in 1627, Johann Kepler. Um, and he predicted the 1631 transit. But um, his predictions weren't precise enough for anyone to actually plan to see it because oh, <laughs> he like didn't know where it would be visible from or uh-huh. like when exactly it would start um because they usually happen for about seven hours at i was a just time. about to ask like how yeah. long does it transit so the one in december of 2012 was like from like the afternoon of one day like into the night okay or something like that um so yeah i think it usually takes about seven or eight hours so longer than the solar eclipse Mm -hmm. which we watched for like what an hour maybe yeah two at the most um but the first recorded observation of a transit of venus was made by this guy named jeremiah horrocks good from England on December 4th, 1639, which is crazy that he... So he used basically like a pinhole camera to Mm -hmm. be able to project it onto a wall to watch. Because we didn't have like the technology of like eclipse glasses. Yeah. So he watched it through like a reflection and recorded like what happened. They... These like transits became much bigger of a deal in the 18th century because apparently there was not a lot of like record of... From ancient astronomers, like, you know, the ancient Greeks and the Mayans, who both have, like, really detailed records of astronomy, apparently they did not, like, record this ever happening. Mm. Even the Mayans, who religiously, like, followed Venus, didn't record any of, like, this actual phenomenon, which I think is really interesting. I wonder if they... I wonder... Yeah. I wonder because it was so small... Huh. Yeah. So there's like a maybe recording of it in like 1030 something where someone wrote about a spot like blocking out part of the sun, Mm -hmm. but um, they didn't necessarily call it like Venus is moving past the sun. So interestingly enough, like this particular phenomenon didn't become a big deal until the 1700s when astronomers thought that this thing like measuring 
recording this would help them understand the exact distances between Earth and other planets mm. um, by observing the transits from widely spaced locations, basically, um, that they could triangulate the distance to Venus using some sort of, like, principles of math that I didn't research at all. That's so cool to, like, all of this science was being done before computers, like... Basically, they just had telescopes back then. Yeah, and they could be, like, accurate. Yeah. It's wild. So they... This idea... Um, basically set off this huge expedition in the 1760s where scientists from around the world like posted up in different places and like agreed to record the transit of I think it was like 1760 something 1761 or something um but a lot of them like either didn't get to the place in time and basically it didn't like actually create all of the research they wanted because people had different like measuring yeah <laughs> practices and like but it was cool that they like had this idea that observing it could teach them things about the yeah. solar system because that was like one of the biggest things that happened in 2004 and 2012 so as I said, the next pair of transits are 2117 and 2125. So unfortunately, we've missed it. Yeah. But um, it was cool. During the 2004 and 2012 transit pair, astronomers and scientists collected like an incredible amount of data that they are using to try and find exoplanets. So planets outside of our solar system. Mm -hmm. So what they did is measure the effect of the sun's brightness by Venus passing it. And they want to use that information to look at other stars and see if like they have similar shifts in brightness, meaning planets are like passing them. Mm -hmm. um, so they also measured the diameter of Venus during the transit and want to use that to like estimate the size of these planets that they discover wow. in other solar systems. And then they did a lot of work, like research on Venus's atmosphere or like whether or not it has one, because apparently there's a question of like what its atmosphere is like. Mm -hmm. um, so all that is sort of the like astronomical aspect of this thing that happens of Venus moving between the earth and the sun. Um, and then I was looking into what the particular 2012 transit meant astrologically because in my mind it would make sense that it would be sort of like a huge deal if it only happens every couple hundred of years that yeah. you know it might but I couldn't find a lot of like clear takes on like hmm. what this means astrologically um, and I even saw a few people saying like it doesn't necessarily and I wonder if part of that is because it wasn't a huge part of like ancient astronomy that it didn't develop like yeah a lot of meaning but I found some really weird interesting stuff that I'm going to read so this is from an astrologer her name's Rose Marcus writing about the transit of Venus in 2012 um and it happened in Gemini mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in 2012 um which is interesting because the the transit that happened in the 1500s also happened in Gemini right around the beginning of the Renaissance. Ooh. Um, okay, so Rose Marcus says, Many consider the momentous Venus and Gemini transit 
in, oh no, it happened in June in 2012. That's my bad. It happened in December of 2004. Um, the transit in June of 2012 as a key marker of a new 2600 year cycle of humanity. The Earth Venus Sun alignment has been suggested to symbolize the reactivation of the solar feminine. And this is all wrapped up what in the idea. This is all wrapped up in the idea that Venus is like the god of love and fertility and like feminine virtue mm -hmm. and kindness. And so in some way a lot of people are saying it's like a new age of the feminine. So she goes on to say, what does that mean? In short, it suggests the energizing of the feminine creator in her oneness or allness. The solarized feminine creator is all-encompassing. We are leaving behind the polarization that has been built over this last cycle in the age of patriarchy. Wow. And I'm like, well, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so this was from another website called, like, Cosmic connection or something. I can't remember exactly. We see a burgeoning of the feminine, which has become adept in the art of war, proficient enough to wage serious battle against the outmoded forces ostentatiously arrayed by a global patriarchy on its last breath. In aligning itself between the sun and the earth on June 6, 2012, Venus will temporarily dim a large portion of the light of the sun, symbolically drawing our attention inward she will assist us as individuals and as a collective to consciously reconsider what we truly value. Um, and then I have like a little chart that explains the sort of like cultural shit that was going on during each of the last couple of transits. So like I said, 1518 to 1526 was the Renaissance. 1631 to 1639 was the scientific revolution or mm. the age of reason. Mm -hmm. 1761 to 1769, the age of enlightenment the first uh, sort of first part of the industrial age, 1874 to 1882 was the sort of second half of the industrial age and the age of imperialism and like, you know, different global powers taking over different parts of the globe. And then 2004 to 2012 was the age of awareness, the uh, like growth of the internet, the age of social networks, mm -hmm. social change groups, Occupy Wall Street, reprogramming, um, changing belief systems, new discoveries, and technologies to deal with, uh, like, global resources like energy and water. Yeah. And so it was sort of interesting saying, like, I mean, obviously this person has, like, designed this to... Yeah. But it is interesting to think about, like, if each of those things, like, signaled a sort of new restructuring of the patriarchy. <laughs> I mean, social media is uh, kind of doing that yeah. <laughs> right now. I know. So, and the internet... Hey. So that's the transit of Venus. Cool. Um, I just thought it was really interesting, even though we missed it. I try not to get too bummed about it, but... It's still cool to, like, hear about, though, especially, like, it's so interesting that all, yeah, all of this other stuff, it, like, has been documented for so mm. long, and this one wasn't, so kind of what that means for our interpretation of it, yeah. and, like, how... Like, I don't really remember hearing about it in the media, but, Me like, neither. Mercury Retrograde you hear about, like, Blue Moons, Super Moons you hear about, but... Yeah. I wonder if people, like, traveled to see it in the same way. Yeah. So... Cool. If you're a baby right now, you might make it to 20, Maybe. 2017. Yeah. When you're... 
2117. Yep. <laughs> I feel like the first person who's going to live to, like, or never die might be alive now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... It sounds exhausting, but... They are working on, like, technologies to... I mean, your, maybe your body doesn't live forever, but... Oh, but mine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a nightmare. Yep. <laughs> Some, like, tuck everlasting bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, so what's what's going on oh, with the full moon? Okay. So I wasn't really sure what I was gonna research and like I was trying to find something comparable to Venus in transit, but then I looked and I saw that there is a full moon on March first. So Thursday. So nice. if you're listening to this on Wednesday, on the day it comes out. It's tomorrow. <laughs> Get March ready. First. <laughs> but I also, I mean, I'm going to talk about kind of like what it, what it means and just like what a full moon in Virgo means. Oh, and, it's a full moon in Virgo. Mm-hmm. Cool. And there's like other stuff that goes along with it. So February, this February was interesting because there was no full moon in February. Oh, because uh, there was two in January. There was two in January and there's going to be two in March. So, really? Yeah, so there's two blue moons this year, which is Whoa. interesting. So March 1st, it will it goes through the night of March 1st too, mm. to March 2nd. And this is the worm moon. And the reason, <laughs> the reason it's called the worm moon is because it... The ground is like softening, and roots are starting to pop up, and worms, earthworms, can dig around in there, <laughs> doing their worm thing. Doing their worm thing. So it kind of this full moon is a sign of like reawakening and kind of rebirth, oh. waking up from the winter slumber. Nice. Yeah, I'm ready for that. Yeah, and that's kind of like the theme of this whole full moon like Mm. what it what it's going towards because it is in Virgo which is a very earth sign it is a very practical sign so whereas some full moons you kind of feel this like really like energetic release like I talked about it on the first full moon yeah the one where I talked about full moon and sex (laughs) (laughs) uh this is more of like a guiding Mm. full moon uh, because Virgo is does have this like practical down to earth aspect to it. Oh, I'm so ready for that. Yeah, it's gonna help us make decisions in in our lives and in our careers and in <laughs> and it will it will naturally feel like the right move. Like mm. these decisions won't feel hard to make. Oh my god, I, I hope know. So. When I was reading about this full moon, I was like, wow, normally during full moons, I like feel just so like, ah. yeah. <laughs> and, but this full moon, I'm excited about. And also, so they say that this is a like good time to take an inventory of kind of like what you've been holding on to and what everything, what you need to like work through, kind of, because Virgo controls the body's like digestive system so they're like what do you need to like digest what do you need to like work through and and kind of figure out what you are putting into your like world that that doesn't need to be there so Mm, shit yeah and so one quote is if you have been struggling to digest recent life events this full moon is going to provide you with some support yeah i really hope that happens yeah 
Oh, the March full moon is also, and this I got from Cafe Astrology. This is a quote. Uh, the March full moon is also working in tandem with the February solar eclipse and is the last full moon before the start of the astrological year because oh, we're in the last sign. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, so it's be dance birthdays. <laughs> so if there are things that you want to release from this year, like now, this astrological year, now is the time to do it. Oh, does it have any recommendations on how to let stuff go? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> journaling and meditation. Uh-huh. <laughs> journaling and meditation? Uh-huh. Okay. So, yeah. So, even though, like, full moons generally are about, like, releasing something, this full moon, full moon is a lot more about, like, potential. So, like, mm-hmm. releasing in order to kind of, like, be guided through to, like, your best potential okay Um, i'm taking this so seriously good yeah so am i uh and then it's also interesting there's one more thing so a little bit of numerology plays into this uh, oh this particular one Uh uh-huh okay because it occurs at 11 degrees and 11 is a master number in numerology and it represents like awakenings and consciousness and kind of this consciousness into like a higher realm or something so it seems like a full moon where you can be very like present Mm. like I because I feel like a lot of times when during a full moon or during like mercury retrograde or when like an astrological event is happening where I feel like super frazzled like I'm not like present in it and it's I can only like afterwards be like oh like well that's like because of mercury Mm. retrograde oh that's the full moon so that's why I like haven't been able to concentrate but this seems like it's very much like you can be very present and focused during during this full moon and kind of focused on on letting it guide you. Mm. So yeah, I, I so. yeah. When I read that, I was like, okay, I can I can take this. <laughs> I like the idea of getting like a second chance at the new year too. Yes, like, yeah. Not that I, you know, we talked about New Year's resolutions, so not that I like take it very seriously, but I am in need right now in my life of like a change mm-hmm. so I like the idea of being like you could just start the astrological yeah. year off <laughs> yeah so we'll be moving through Pisces and into Aries so Aries is pretty powerful like yeah. pretty badass so. yeah so like this is a time to like get ready for the next like astrological mm. year it does like in some ways like I don't know mental health wise I struggle a lot in January and mm. February so right now, it does kind of feel like I've been through, like, a year. Mm-hmm. Like, I still haven't, I don't know. Like, I, what am I trying to say? You know how they always say, like, Pisces takes a lot of aspects from other signs mm-hmm. because it's, like, the baby of the family. Like, it's been through, and we said on, when we talked about Pisces season, that when planets were moving into Pisces, they've been through all the other. Yeah. And I kind of feel that. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, we've been through all the signs now, and it's starting over. Yeah. I kind of feel that. And I like how, like... Each component of this full moon, like, adds up to that because yeah. it, it could be, like, a worm moon in, like, a different sign or, like, the angle could be different. Yeah. But kind of the fact that it's this moon that's connected with, like, rebirth um, and this very, like, practical sign and very earth driven sign it's my rising sign yeah. oh yeah, yeah yeah that's why i'm like harness that yeah shit. and then it's number 11 yeah so. damn mm-hmm. i'm gonna rock climb and then meditate yeah <laughs> yeah that i mean that's what 
I I plan on I mean sleeping a lot tonight, but yeah, <laughs> I have been like carrying different like stones that, around with me that nice. that you got me. Um, and I have been uh, carrying around like the focus one, but I think I might carry around the moon one for mm. the. Oh for yeah, the I should stone. wear my moon stones. Yeah. So just like really kind of focus that yeah that energy, but it's nice. Like I don't know. I feel like it's it's nice that reading the thing about like the decisions that like it won't feel like a decision. That's like so nice. That yeah. Just, like no like no second guessing. So just like if you're feeling something, just be like, okay, this is the right decision. And so, it might be good to like make some of those purposefully right now before Mercury retrograde mm-hmm, happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The idea of being able to make a decision, make a, make a decision and have it feel naturally like the right decision sounds incredible, right? Because yeah. I struggle with big decisions a lot. Yeah. That I hope that I feel like whatever things are coming up are like the right moves to make. Yeah. So everyone out there that's trying to accomplish stuff, uh, take this full moon to really yeah set you on that path. Giving you, like, a good push down. <laughs> but also, like, letting go of some recent stuff. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh-huh. I might, like, make a list of all the things that I'm dealing with in the present moment. I feel like that might help me. Yeah. Journaling. Like, yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A list of, like, not necessarily decisions to make, but, like, questions that I'm dealing mm-hmm. with. Like, mm-hmm. my living situation, my work situation. Like, yep. Damn. That was good, Erin. Good job for doing that on the fly. Thanks. Yeah. I was just like, mm-hmm going on <laughs> someone might say that that was cosmic that it came it was like <laughs> yes yeah it was cosmic that I probably had one too many drinks last night <laughs> let it all go it just didn't feel like let it all go for the full moon <laughs> I can't believe it's fucking March I know Jesus I was oh, like gosh. crap I have to pay my rent again like it went by so quickly February should cost less yeah February (laughs) should cost I mean I get that it all is like evens out but February should cost less (laughs) agreed (laughs) everything should cost less (laughs) well yeah rent should always cost less and less and less until it costs zero yeah um cool all right well well enjoy your full moon everyone hopefully Hopefully the weather starts to get nicer. Yeah. We got that one nice day on Wednesday that, man, everyone was, like, wearing dresses and, like, shorts and short sleeves. I was like, okay. Super good moods. And then it was, like, JK, true Boston style. But then it started snowing and the snow was really pretty. That's true. I like it when it snows and then it melts immediately. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, I think that's what's supposed to happen this weekend. Okay. Um, all right. Well, have a good full moon, everyone. Email us if you feel connected to this full moon. Yeah. Or if you remember watching the transit of Venus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye.